Welcome to the Help Me Abide podcast, a program dedicated to helping you have a closer walk with God by sharing biblical truths and relatable testimonies of women who have overcome. Whether you're a seasoned believer or just starting your spiritual journey, this podcast has something for you. Each episode will supply encouragement and wise practical advice to inspire and challenge you to abide in the one who has all the answers to life's questions. A woman who abides in the shadow of the Almighty is a woman who lives safe and secure. Sit back and enjoy a few minutes of positive conversation with your host, Jennifer Beale, and friends. Help me abide in the one who has the power. Help me abide each day and every hour. Remind me that without you, my efforts are in vain, so that others will see you. Welcome to the Help Me Abide podcast. Today's episode, we are ecstatic to have our very own Faith Baptist Church homegrown missionary, Tanya Alvarez, as our guest. Tanya is a devoted missionary who has dedicated her life to serving the people of Belize. She has been living in Belize for over 14 years, working tirelessly to proclaim the gospel to the Belizean people. They have started two churches and had a big day on property with over 250 people in attendance. They also had an off-property big day with over 450 in attendance and 85 of those precious souls received Christ as their Savior. In this episode, Tanya will share her experiences, insights, and challenges as a missionary. Her favorite food in Belize is escabiche. It's a chicken and onion soup flavored with lime juice served with hot corn tortillas. Listen as we learn more about her inspiring journey and the incredible work she is doing to help those in need of Jesus. Hello, listeners. I'm excited to introduce to you Missionary to Belize, Tanya Alvarez. Welcome to the Help Me Abide podcast, Tanya. Hey, thanks for having me. It's exciting for me to be here and share a little bit with you today. For you listeners who didn't know, Tanya grew up in the Faith Baptist Church of Wildemar. And she was friends with my husband, Brett. I don't know how good of a friend they were, but <laughs> they knew each other. <laughs> they were frenemies. <laughs> Perfect. So I've gotten to know Tanya. Um, we were actually in Belize a few years ago. That was um, a missions trip that we took and we're going this summer again. So we're excited to see her in Belize. So Tanya, tell us about your uh, childhood. All right. So... I grew up in a little tiny town in California called Lake Elsinore. Uh, I've been there recently. It looks a lot different. But in my time, it was a little tiny town. And uh, we lived on a main road called Grand Avenue. And uh, pretty early on, when I was still a toddler, my biological parents separated. So my mom quickly found uh, another man who would become my stepfather. And... um, so those first couple years, my youngest childhood years, uh, what, there was a lot of dysfunction in our home. There was a lot of uh, my parents, unfortunately, at that time were really into uh, drugs and drinking and that kind of stuff. There was kind of an environment of abuse, not really directed towards me, but more my father directing it towards my mother. And um, 
So that's how my earliest years were. And then around um, the age of eight, uh, you know, we still lived in the same house. We lived in a little house on Grand Avenue for many years. But anyways, um, around that age of eight is when I was introduced to church. And uh, one day my brother and I were playing in the yard, as we often did, you know, it was a good escape from the house to go out in the yard and play. And some soul winners from Faith Baptist Church were knocking on doors, inviting kids to ride the Sunday school bus. And uh, they were having some kind of promotion. I don't remember what it was, but they asked if we wanted to go. And of course, they talked to our parents and I rode the bus with my brother that first Sunday. And then from then on out, you know, they would come, uh, the bus workers and youth workers would come and visit me every Saturday, me and my little brother and invite us to Sunday school. And I remember uh, going to Sunday school, really just loving it from the very, very beginning. Although I tended to be very, very quiet and timid. So I acted like I didn't like it, you know, and I was not the nicest kid around. But um, the Sunday school teachers were patient with me and uh, they would visit us. And um, Mr. Williams, who still goes to my home church at Faith Baptist, he was my bus captain. And I remember him visiting me every Saturday and me trying to hide from him and act like I wasn't home. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm still not sure why I acted like that, you know, because part of me liked it and part of me didn't. So um, I just remember feeling that kind of uh, love from the people at, at the church, you know, the church down the, in the next town over. And um, so I was saved and baptized one of my first Sundays there. I remember at that time, our church did not have uh, a building to meet in. So we were meeting, I remember riding a bus to a property and then getting off that bus and going on to another bus that was parked there that they had changed into a Sunday school room and kind of rearranged the seats on the bus and decorated it. And I thought that was a little odd, but it, you know, we, the teachers were kind. And I remember one of the first Sundays that a teacher talking about knowing if we were saved and if we were going to go to heaven when we die and one of the workers took me outside and explained to me salvation and, and I trusted Christ. And then I'm not sure if it was a few months, maybe a year or two later when we were having a big baptism service, our, our church was meeting at a public high school. Cause again, we didn't have a building and I was baptized in a horse trough that they had filled up with water. And I think that was around fourth grade. And so I was, you know, during this whole time going to church on Sundays with my uh, little brother. And uh, later on, I, well, later on, I would get reassurance of my salvation later on, but I do remember getting saved and baptized early on there. And then around seventh grade, I um, was convinced to go to a summer camp at my home church, which is quite amazing because I have my daughter at summer camp right now for the first time. And it just brings back all those memories. But anyways, um, I remember not wanting to go because I was so shy and just so timid and awkward. And I remember a youth worker, his name was Manny Tunuyan, and he would come and, you know, he was a youth worker then home from college. I don't remember if he was married or he was home from college or, but anyway, so he would come every Sunday morning and say, you got to go to camp, you got to go to camp. And so me and my best friend, we decided, okay, we'll go together to camp. And so that first camp is where, you know, the Lord really kind of spoke to my heart and gave me a you know, hey, what is this thing about serving God? They keep talking about serving God and living for the Lord. And, you know, I remember making decisions about music and dress and that kind of stuff. And I, I came back home and uh, decided to start going to church on Sunday evenings instead of just riding the bus on Sunday mornings. 
Uh, started to go into Bible studies on Wednesday night and going to youth activities, which were such a blessing to me during those years. During those, um, you know, early junior high and teen years, my family um, got a little better. You know, my mom and my dad tried to pull themselves together a little bit more, and my mom got a job and started working, and so um, it was a little bit better on that aspect. Um, during the junior high, our church uh, had missions conferences, and so one day, our well, not one one of the conferences, not one day, but I just remember there were missionaries come and show their slides, you know. And I just remember sitting there and watching them, and I didn't know exactly what a missionary was, what a missionary did, but I remember being touched and just thinking, wow, there's people in other countries that live so differently from here, you know, and just listening, and I don't even remember who the missionary was, but just seeing their slides and listening to them. And the Lord kind of spoke to my heart a little bit about mission. So I got interested in it and started thinking about it. And as I got, you know, older, I remember like having a map of the world on my room and, you know, praying for countries. You know, I know pastor would talk about praying for the world and that kind of stuff. And our church had a Christian school. And um, during this time, my parents did not go to church with me. I know in junior high, my mother did start to come to Sunday school, you know, and go to the adult class. And she was saved and baptized when I was maybe seventh or eighth grade, if I remember correctly. And she did start um, for a few months being real faithful to church. And then she started and she got a job and just kind of, you know, stopped coming and all that. But um, the church had a Christian school. And I thought, oh, you know, I want to go to Christian school. <laughs> and I remember Brother Beal, Brother Beal was uh, the, how do you say, the principal at that time. And so he talked to me and my friend who we had been coming very faithfully. And he said, you guys should think about going to the Christian school. And he gave us information about it. And so they, he talked to my parents and my parents said that we could go or I could go. My little brother didn't show too much interest, <laughs> but um he said, you could go if you pay your way. That's what my parents said. So um, I remember Mr. Beal telling us we could sell candy. We could, uh, you know, find ways to earn money to go to pay the tuition. So that's what we did. And my parents did help me now and then. And I'm not saying they never, you know, did never give me a dollar. They did. They did, you know, when they had opportunity would help me and people from the church would also do that. So I, in high school, from ninth to 12th grade, I had the opportunity to go to the Christian school. And, um, that was just such a blessing. I remember just thinking, this is amazing. This is such a different environment from the public school. I mean, it was obviously a lot smaller, you know, so you knew everybody and that in some ways was good and bad, you know, but I was just very thankful. And uh, all during high school, uh, you know, just the preaching, especially what I feel helped me really kind of grow closer to the Lord as a teenager was the preaching at church, like on Sunday evenings, just, you know, the church family and Pastor Goddard and his his passion he had for teaching us right and to love the Lord and to figure out, you know, what does God have for you in your life? I remember the preaching and I just loved, you know, going to church on Sunday evening. So that was just such a blessing. And um, I remember those days all through high school. And of course, they, um, it was uh, encouraged of us to go to Bible college, you know, if we felt we wanted to be in ministry. So I started thinking about attending Bible college. And I remember around 10th grade, uh, 11th grade, I uh, uh, got a job and started saving money. And I thought, okay, I'm going to go to Bible college. This is what we're supposed to do. And I wanted to, you know, I, I would see the college students go and come back over the summer. And they were just 
so amazing. And I thought, wow, you know, what is this? So I prayed about that and I talked to pastor about it. And uh, during this time also, I kind of got a, my, I had a younger brother and I really wanted him to kind of get more involved in, in church and that kind of stuff. Cause we're really close in age. He's only ex- like exactly 12 months younger than me. So um, he started coming to church a little bit more and getting more involved in the, in the youth department. And um, I started to pray for my family. I remember Pastor Goddard there talking about praying for your family and being a light and testimony to them. And so I thought, you know, I really want my mom and, and dad to stay in church and do that. So I, I kind of got a burden for them. And so I began to pray for them and pray for my aunts and uncles. And I remember having them come visit and they thought I was so weird because all I would talk about was, you know, church and, and God and, you know, <laughs> and they didn't come from any kind of church background. So they were just kind of looked at me like I, you know, had grown wild or whatever, you know, they yeah, you're in a cult. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I kind of looked at it like that. And, um, so anyways, I, graduated from the Christian school with a kind of a desire to go to Bible college, figure out what God had for me. Um, I had learned so much at Faith Baptist about loving God and figuring out what his will would be and just praying and asking God to show me, you know, what, what is it that I have planned for you to do? And missions was always in the back, you know, in my mind, Mm -hmm. like, and I remember thinking, you know, why wouldn't I go? You know, I know about God and other people don't, so I could go tell them about it, you know, I went to Bible college and got um, a degree in secondary education. And uh, at that time, you know, I went, I didn't date too much in college. And my last year in college, I remember praying to the Lord. And I thought, you know, Lord, you know, I was always one that was like, yeah, I want to get married. You know, I was never like, oh, I'm going to be the single girl who goes to the mission field by myself. No, I wanted to <laughs> go get married and go with somebody. So I prayed. I was like, Lord, if my husband is not at this college, can you please send him here? And just kind of prayer that I thought, you know, or that I kind of half-heartedly prayed, you know. And so after I graduated, I thought, I graduated and I thought, what should I do? You know, should I go back for a year? I wanted to study more, you know, and I was young. I was 22 when I graduated. So uh, Pastor Goddard said, well, it wouldn't hurt to go back a year, try to get your master's degree or something. So I went back and that's where the year that I met my husband. And he actually transferred from another college that year. So see, God answered that half half-hearted prayer right so uh I met him and on one of our first dates he told me that he was going to be a missionary to the country of Belize and I thought where's Belize is that in Africa (laughs) I've never heard of Belize before I mean seriously before you knew me Jen had he ever heard of the country of Belize no (laughs) so it was you know it's a small little country so I started looking into it and uh found out where it was and they spoke they speak English so that was a plus for me so I started to date my husband and, uh, you know, from the very, you know, beginning of our dating and when we got serious, his goal was always, he's going to Blaze, he's going to Blaze. And so when we got serious and got engaged, um, that was always our plan. We were going to go to Blaze. So we got married in 2007 and um, went to Blaze on our honeymoon to kind of take a survey trip and check out the land. And uh, so we spent a few days on the beautiful touristic part on our honeymoon on one of the islands. And then uh, we spent another week inland in a little town called Orange Walk. And my husband uh, knew some people that lived in Orange Walk because where the church he attended in Los Angeles had family that or they were from Belize. There was a family from Belize and they had family still living in Belize in the little in Orange Walk. 
And so we met some people and we stayed with some of their relatives and asked them, they took us around town and kind of showed us uh, different villages. And so my husband decided he wanted to start a church right there in town. So uh, after that honeymoon, we went back and started deputation. And right away, it's funny because when we first got married, we thought, well, we'll, you know, we'll get married and wait a year, you know, maybe work for his pastor for a year or, or my, you know, somewhere. And uh, no, he was just so excited after visiting Belize that we started right away. So we started a deputation right away. And um, the Lord was just so gracious to us and allowing us to raise uh, support in about two years. So then two years later, we welcomed our first little girl, Alyssa. And we went to Belize to start a church um, in 2009. And so that's going to be four. Okay. I'm not going to try to do math when I'm trying to do a podcast. So I think that's going to be 14 years this year. <laughs> Sounds good to me, Tanya. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's just a brief um, testimony of how I ended up being a missionary. And um, so, yeah, that's basically the shorthand of it. Yeah, that's amazing. I want to encourage again um soul winners and bus route workers your work is not in vain uh thinking of tanya being you said you were eight years old around there yes yeah playing in playing in her lawn and some bus workers saw some kids and they were like yeah we could influence these kids and uh you've heard already erica larissa's testimony about the same exact story there were some bus workers looking for kids what a difference they've made in the world for all of the souls that Tanya and Erica have seen saved. They, they, they were willing to give up their Saturday and, and influence kids that uh, needed the gospel and needed Jesus. So what an encouragement to see at the end of the story. Exactly. Yeah. I, I think of, you know, God used those people when I was a child to kind of prepare me, you know, for, for what I would do one day. And, so I'm grateful for all those hours invested, you know, even when I pushed them away, they were just, you know, we're still going to come busy, you're trying to hide from us. And, you know, it's so easy to give up on people and especially kids. Kids are sometimes, oh, you know, we'll just go find another kid, you know, but no, every kid has potential to, to serve or to be used by God in some way. Right. Anyway. And the other thing I thought was like, our church was in a tent, our church, your Sunday school classes in a bus, like you don't need fancy you don't need this amazing looking building. It was a little eight year old girl going on a, on a church bus to go Sunday, to go to Sunday school in a bus that was, I mean, it doesn't matter where you are. I know the Lord. I mean, yeah, it's just, you, you're right. You don't need the fancy. You don't need the continual AC, although it is nice. I mean, it's been, it is nice. days, right? <laughs> but yeah, you can just invite kids on your bus. I mean, sometimes we wouldn't even go back to the church, wherever the church was meeting, we would just go to a park and have a children's service. And you know, yeah. that, so the Lord, he, you know, he's going to work, he's going to work. And that's we don't right. See, so we don't need the fancy. Okay. So in retrospect, can you see God preparing you in your childhood in any way? I mean, you mentioned through the preaching and um, through camps, can you see any particular way where he was like, I want you to be a missionary? Uh, I can, I, um, I know as a young child coming come from kind of a, a dysfunctional home as a, as a really young child, I, I didn't understand life. Obviously no kid does. Right. You know, but as I got older and I don't know if, I think it's just the Holy spirit, like 
you're like you're you're not asking me, you know, did were you prepared? And I think I was because, you know, I remember my fam my dad in particular was a very, very abusive person. And again, it was never directed towards me physically or anything like that. More kind of verbally, yes. But I remember my brothers, um, and especially my younger brother, kind of took it and they would get really, really mad and really upset and just kind of and I was like that for a while, but I feel like once I had started to go to church and kind of saw uh, different families, I began to be more compassionate towards my family. Instead of just saying, oh, they're so evil and, you know, why are they like this? Kind of thinking, God, why are they like, you know, what has happened to them that made them like this? And I, and I remember thinking as a child, and my dad was such a loner. Like if my family came out and we wanted to go do something for Christmas, he was the type of person that would just stay in the garage. He didn't want to talk to anybody. He wasn't going to go out to eat with the family and all that kind of stuff. And I remember thinking, you know, God, what has hurt him? You know, why? And I just having compassion, feeling like, man, he must have something that's hurt him. He needs the Lord, you know, he needs somebody. And um, I just remember thinking that as a child. And of course, as I grew up and started going to church faithfully and learned more about the Lord and started to read my Bible and kind of just, you know, listening to Holy Spirit, I began to see people differently. You know, a drunk dad is not just some loser that, you know, you know, even I, I'm, I say that because I remember thinking that from a very young age. And I feel that was the Holy Spirit kind of, you know, because I work with a lot of kids now who, you know, were exactly in my situation. And I recently... Um, we were on furlough here recently, but um, we went back in May. And while I was gone, a young girl had started coming to our church. And um, I started talking to her and I asked her if she was saved because we would go out teen soul winning. And I kind of noticed that she didn't want to talk. She didn't seem too very comfortable. And I thought, okay. And I started to witness to her, you know, are you saved? And uh, she said, no, Miss Tiny, you know, my family, I don't want anything to do with God. All they do is mock God. So I got talking to her and she kind of told me how grew up and stuff. And her story could have been like exactly me, like her family said. And so I gave her, I told her my testimony and I was trying to tell her, you know, my dad was the same way because she was telling me about her dad. And I said, no, I grew up with a dad just like that. And uh, she was telling me how she was, you know, I remember getting picked up by the bus when I was a teenager and hoping and praying my dad would not cause a scene and like embarrass me. And she and this girl in particular that Sunday hadn't come to church. And so I was asking her, why, why do you miss Sunday night? You know, and she told me the same exact thing, you know, my dad was being crazy and I thought he was going to like embarrass me. And I was, and I thought, oh my goodness, that's exactly how I felt when I was your age. You know, I told her and I, you know, and I've been working with her and she's becoming faithful. She's saying, she, I keep witnessing to her and she keeps telling me, I'm just not ready, Miss Tanya. And just before um, I came out here to take Alyssa to camp, my daughter who's at camp this week, she had like this change and she came to me and she wants to know more. She wants to know who these are. Where before she was just like, no, Miss Honey, my family's so crazy and people make fun of me and they make fun of people who go to church. So I feel like God just takes whatever experience you have, even as a child, and just, you know, you can use that to help somebody else. And so She's just, and that's just one way I've seen. And then, and another not so spiritual way I've seen God help me is I've always liked the heat. <laughs> I remember, you know, Belize is like 150 degrees every day. So not really 150, but you know, I just feel hot. As a child, I remember laying out in the sun and just thinking, man, it's so cold inside the house. I want to go somewhere where it's sunny. So that, you know, I feel like that kind of helps me <laughs> love living in Belize now that I do so many years later. But anyways, I think God does definitely use our experiences as children and especially in my life to just 
see people differently and understand where these kids that I work with are coming from, the ones that come from different families that, you know, their parents aren't always Christian or they come alone to church and that kind of thing. So yeah, definitely. Well, it's crazy that you mentioned that story about that girl because at camp right now, the camp that Alyssa is at, uh, Brother Josh preached a sermon about being who you should be now so that you could rescue somebody later. So if you wouldn't have surrendered to God's will, you wouldn't have been able to help that girl and say, hey, I know exactly how you feel because you were you were where you were supposed to be when you were supposed to be there to rescue to rescue that girl and tell her about Jesus. So that's that's pretty beautiful. And then that's amazing. They, God, it's just so it good. is amazing. It is amazing. And then um, I love the heat too. So Tanya, I could totally relate to that. My husband does not understand when we were in Africa, we had AC units and I wouldn't put them on because I preferred not to. And he would come home and not be happy. <laughs> he would not yeah, be happy. We, we have an AC unit in our room at our house. Um, but it's the only one because I don't want it in the house. I want the windows open. I want the breeze. I'm the same way. And I'm always, I'm always told the Lord, that's you, God, because you knew I was going to live in Belize. Yes. Isn't the Lord amazing? I, I, little things like that make me happy. I know they're not spiritual, but it, God made us a certain way. <laughs> so they're kind of spiritual. Connie Marujo here, resource promoter for the Help Me Abide podcast. Mrs. Goddard, and wife of Pastor Bruce Goddard of Faith Baptist Church in Wildemar, California, has written a fantastic 43-day interactive devotional entitled, Consider Him. This book, which is a practical study of the characteristics and names of God, will reacquaint you with who your God is. It will give you the tools that you need to focus on the amazing God that you have. When your faith is being tested to the limits, consider him, lest he be wearied and faint in your minds. Here is an excerpt. Psalms 91.1 He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Abiding under a shadow has several benefits. A shadow can prevent from physical harm. In Southern California, where I live, we get some sweltering days. When it's 115 degrees, people look for shade if they must be outside for any length of time. They want to avoid the pain and danger of a sunburn or heat stroke. A shadow also gives comfort and refreshment. Have you ever stood in the shade on a hot day and felt a refreshing breeze blowing on your face? The shadow makes it bearable to be outside during those times of intense heat. We have an almighty God who wants us to dwell under the protection of his shadow. He wants to protect us from the fiery trials that threaten to harm us. The only way to abide under a shadow is to stay close to the object that is creating it. We must remember that the Almighty has promised to take care of us. If we abide under His shadow, we, like the psalmist, can say, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in Him will I trust. There are many ladies' devotionals flooding the Christian market, but very, very few are KJV and trustworthy. When you buy this book, you will be glad you did. Check out our website, helpmeabide.com, or this episode show notes for the direct link to purchase one. Next question. Um, explain how God convinced you that serving on a foreign field was his will. All right. So I personally feel like God never had to convince me. It was just once I knew 
what a missionary was. It was always something I wanted to do. I just always had an interest in it. And as I grew older, uh, I remember every time I would hear about a missionary or they would come to our church or I would, you know, at college missionaries would pass through and, or I would meet missionary kids at college. And I would think I want to go to a field, you know, I want to, and I never knew exactly where, or, you know, it's kind of one of those things where, you know, that you're just willing to do it. So if God leads you there, then it'll, he'll do it. You know, um, I think it was a little bit harder for God to convince me to stay once I had been on the field for a while. <laughs> so it was, I don't think he really had to do much to convince me to go, but I did have a few times where I was like, okay, God, if you want me here, you're going to have to, you know, be showing me and, and telling me and just giving me what I need. Cause you know. Right. You mentioned before about your dad and learning to have compassion. So it's something that the Lord had instilled in you. You had these compassion for these people. So I was like, yeah, why not? Okay. Uh, what challenges have you faced living in Belize? All right. Well, First of all, I do want to say that, and this goes back to God, just placing people where he wants them. I really like living in Belize. And even though, you know, of course, there's been struggles and I'll, I'll talk to, about that right now. But I just, I do. I like the pace of life there. I like the weather there. I like where I live. I like the neighborhood um, and that kind of thing. And so I just wanted to say that first before I get into all these struggles. <laughs> yes, please. So, um, recently something that's come to my attention after being on the field for a while and just being a little bit older, not that I'm that old, I'm about to be 40 next week, so it's not too old, but, um, is one thing I've really struggled recently is being away when you're, when a family member is sick. So, um, I guess when I first went to the field, you know, I didn't grow up close to my family. So I didn't really think about it. It was like, yeah, we're in the field. We're going to do this. And, you know, my kids are going to grow up here. And, but uh, recently my mother has been really sick and it started a few years ago. She has a, you know, just cause different decisions in her life had led to really bad health. And so she was really, really sick. And so there was always the struggle of, or maybe guilt. And I, you know, maybe it comes from the devil. Maybe it's just cause we're a human and a daughter naturally feels this way. I would, I would struggle with, you know, I should really be over there, you know, taking care of her. I'm over here taking care of everybody else's mothers, you know, so that, that in recent times, she just passed away in April. And so that was a struggle. And I know I've talked to other missionary wives who, you know, maybe they have sisters or, you know, people that they're really, really close to that are sick. And, and they're kind of like, okay, we live close enough. I feel in Belize that's like, okay, if there's an emergency and there were a few times where it was like an emergency and I did go see my mom and spend a week with her either by myself or I'd bring one of my kids or I'd bring the baby or whatever. And so, but there was always, okay, am I wrong for not going back there? Should I just bring all my kids and stay there for a couple months? Is that feasible? And, you know, of course the, the lifestyle my mother lived was a little bit different than something I wanted to stay in for long-term. So then there, there was that struggle. So that was just something that was really hard to come to terms with. And I did pray and say, Lord, you know, if you want one of my biggest prayers was that I could be with her if she was going to pass away. As she got sicker and it became, you know, she got on hospice, it became apparent that she was going to pass away. And I had like this term on, I was like, okay, how can I be living nice over here? And, and I don't mean like materially, I mean like, I'm okay, my kids are okay, and my mother is over there, you know, I, it was a struggle. So, but the Lord did answer my prayer and that when she did pass away, I happened, not happened, the Lord orchestrated that I that I was there with her. And that was something that was good for me. 
Yes, definitely. Praise the Lord for that. And I know probably it's hard for those who live farther away, maybe where, you know, on the other side of the world where it's not, you can't just like pack up your kids one day and fly and say, oh, I'm going to go visit, you know, this emergency. So, but anyways, the Lord really did um, help with that struggle and he answered a prayer of mine. So I know that he was in that. So, amen. The the inward struggle that you just want to do what God wants you to do, but sometimes you don't know what God wants you to do. What's the right thing to do in this situation? Exactly. So yeah. And that's where prayer, you just got to say, God, you know, I, I'm not sure if I'm supposed to be here or there, but you just directed me. There are many times where he was just like, I you know, I, I, I wasn't sure if I should visit her one particular time. And I talked to an older missionary's wife who had grown kids. And she, I was like, what should I do? And she said, well, you're never going to regret going for a visit. So go. And so I'm so glad that I listen to her, you know, and because sometimes you're like, well, you know, I'm just going to stick it out and this, you know, but sometimes we need people to kind of come in and say, Hey, you know, it's your decision, but here's some good advice. You know, you're not going to, and I, I don't regret going and spending the money and taking time when I, when I could, sometimes it's not feasible, but if it is, you know, I'm glad that I did. So. Yes. Counselors are, are, well, the Bible talks about it in a multiple, multiple, what is it? Where, where is the word? Multitude, of, multitude of, counselors, thank you. of counselors, there is safety. Yeah. So people who are wiser and have um, gone before and have gone through different situations, they could certainly help us make those decisions when we don't. Sometimes it's just confusing. There's, It's not right or wrong. It's just what's the best thing to do. So um, I'm very grateful to God for counsel. And there was other uh, times, you know, earlier on the field, because it'll be 14 years um, this September. So that was more of a, a recent struggle, but of course there's always, and I, I'm pretty sure every missionary would probably say like the cultural differences. Um, when I was a, a young mother was particularly challenging because, um, you know, when you're like here at Faith Baptist, it's just an amazing church here. You know, you learn so much all the time about, you know, this is how you could raise your kids. And I grew up listening to all those things by pastor and, you know, there's, um, just a lot of resources and a lot of good things. And sometimes when you're on the field, you have, you have to be the one that's going to get yourself that information. You know, if I wanted to hear those teachings, I'm going to have to take time to open up the internet and go to the church website and listen to those things. And sometimes on the field, you need to be the one that says, okay, I'm not going to let myself get discouraged because I'm not feeding myself spiritually. And, and I've done that so many times where you get busy where you are and that's fine. Cause you, you can learn here too. But, um, when my kids were small, I, I would think of so many things of being so busy and not feeding myself spiritually and not getting that spiritual food like I would if I was here at my home church sitting under, you know, the same pastor every day. And my husband is an awesome preacher. So there's nothing against him. It's just I would be in nursery right, right, right. or I'd be in teaching the kids class. And when you're so busy serving, sometimes my mistake as a young mother or young wife was to not feed myself spiritually and not take the time to do that. And because of being too busy and I consider myself a Martha and I, you know, something that I've worked on over the years and tried to be more of a man. But anyways, that was a struggle as a younger uh, missionary wife as well, raising kids, being busy and that kind of thing. So I could relate to that as well. Just being in Africa, we were on a team that was starting a brand new church. So most of the people that were in the church were baby Christians. So that what they needed was milk. 
And of course, what us missionaries needed was meat. <laughs> so in order to get the meat, you had to search it out on your own. So that was a, that was an adjustment because usually you just, you go to church and you get fed, exactly. but now we needed to find another source. So it had to be very personal. And uh, Connie Marujo just pointed out, she's our, what is she? Our resource promoter. She just pointed out wisdom is something you have to search out. So it's the lazy Christian that I was wanted to it just to be fed to me, but I had to go search it out. If we, so that is, I could definitely relate to and that. Of course, you know, there's always like that pity party, that attitude that can creep in. It's like, you know, why don't I have this one? And then I was like, well, why don't you look for it? And that's what Proverbs says, you know, wisdom is there. You just got to find it. You got to look for it. Yeah. Find it. So, <laughs> yes. so that was something that yeah. was, and I don't know if I mentioned in my testimony, but when my husband and I went to the field, um, we weren't going with the team. It was just he and I, our family. And we just went to somewhere and just, you know, okay, Lord, you want us to start a church here? We made our own tracks and just started passing them out. And, you know, it sounds like, wow, that's a wonderful plan. And the Lord, he just blessed. And I'm sure it's because we didn't know what we're doing. The Lord's like, they need a lot of help. So let me just <laughs> put their path the right way, you know? And so, you know, when you're by yourself and you don't even have other missionaries there, as, and at that time, we didn't know any very close missionaries. We do now have friends that we've gotten to know. and But when you first go there, it's kind of hard to make immediate friends. But it's so easy to just say, well, I don't, you know, I'm busy. I don't have time for this. I don't have time to listen to preaching from back home. Or I don't have, especially in this day and age, we do have time. You just have to make it a priority. And I didn't do that for many years. And it, I suffered a lot of kind of depression for it. And the Lord had to bring me out of that and show me like, hey you got to do this. You have to be the one that's going to pick yourself up and, and do it. So anyway. yeah, that personal growth. That's awesome. So talking about personal growth, what specific area of personal growth have you experienced through your service? Okay. So this is um, something that took me many years to learn. And it's, I seem to be a slow learner. Sometimes God has to kind of say and do the same things over and over again before it finally gets into my mind. But um a few years ago, I was reading a passage in the Bible that I had read many, many times before because, you know, I've been reading, you know, I've been a Christian for a while and I would read these verses before and something jumped out at me one time. And so I'm, it's from Romans chapter five and it says um, in verse two, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the God of glory. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also knowing that tribulation work is patience and patience experience and experience hope and hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. And, you know, it goes on. But one day I was reading this uh, verse and something that jumped out to me, something that I had to grow in that I realized I had been able to grow in was in patience. So, so much of being not only on the mission board, but in ministry, so much of it is waiting on God. And just being patient. And so sometimes, I, you know, I'm, I'm sure all of you have these little talks in your head with God. And I would want things to happen right away in my life. You know, if I was struggling with something, I would give a little bit of effort and, okay, why is it not better? You know, or we reach people, we bring them to church. Okay, why aren't they serving yet? You know, or just things like that. And I read this verse and it says that we glory in tribulations because tribulation work is patience. And so we have to go through the tr struggles in our life first before we can become patient. 
And once we become patient, the verse goes on to say patience gives experience. So once you've had a trial, once you've gone through a struggle, you've learned to be patient, you've come out of it and you say, okay, I know I made that through that. Okay. And now you have uh, experience. Okay. You've been through it. Now you can go through it again because you know that you got through it the first time. And then our experience is what gives us hope for the future. So I've learned that in beliefs that, you know, God is not always going to do his will when we want it. Actually, he never does it when we want it. It's always when he, <laughs> when he wants it. And it, that's in so many areas of our life. It's in our marriage. You know, sometimes we have difficulties and we think, okay, I, you know, I did this for five days and how come my husband is not better? I'm <laughs> just kidding. It should really be us talking about why aren't we better, you know, or, you know, I've been working with my kids on this and why is it not happening or working with people in Belize, you know, they've been coming to church for a while. Why aren't they doing what I think they should be doing? You know, cause I, you know, and that kind of thing. And so I, I realized reading this one day that, you know what, I'm never going to have the hope that God is going to uh, do something here if I haven't had tribulations and I hadn't had to learn to be patient and haven't had to learn to um, just get through things and wait on the Lord and wait for his perfect will. And that's something that the Lord has shown me. And even in simple things, I'm, you know, I'm talking about helping people and discipling people and being patient as a new convert is, you know, barely learning. And, you know, those of us who have been in the, you know, saved a while, we think we know everything and we do know more than probably a new Christian, but, you know, somebody who's been living in the life of sin and, 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 you know, their family is life is horrible. They're not going to change overnight and God is not going to um, put a time limit on their growth. You know, if they don't change today, they're never going to change, you know? And so the Lord has really had to teach me in all areas to just be patient and wait for him. And yes, there's going to be tribulations, but that's going to give me experience. And once I have that experience, I'm going to have hope because I know that God is going to work it out. And I can see that in my life that I've just learned to really just zip it. Cause sometimes I like to complain too much to my husband and when I should really just zip it and be patient and let it, you know, let God work instead of me being the voice that <laughs> thinks I can make everything work. So that's an area that I've seen God really just, um, and you know, sometimes I would think to myself, you know, I didn't grow up sitting with, um, you know, for a while I did my mom, but basically no other family in church. And so I think to myself, why don't I, I remember thinking, you know, Lord, I would really love that. How come I'm the one that doesn't have family, you know, or, you know, little pity parties, thoughts like that, although real for human. So the Lord told me, you know, well, you don't have that, but your kids are, why don't you plant seeds in them? Why don't you let them, why don't you give to them so that they can have, you know, and maybe it's not going to be me who sees all the, the fruit. And, um, you know, like the Bible says, some people plant and other people need to be the one the watering. And so that's, requires patience because you want to see it all I want to see it all right now and it's sometimes it's not going to be all right now so anyways the Lord has really just worked with me in that area of my life and just waiting on him and those verses have certainly helped me through very low times in my life as well I like that God gives us a purpose for tribulation when we're going through something really hard, we know that this is going to work out to give us patience and then ultimately experience. And that experience is going to be able to help others. Just like that counselor, that older lady helped you. Hey, maybe it'd be good to, to visit your mom. That was experience. So uh, how did the role of faith help you overcome difficult situations? 
Okay, so we talked about those uh, few difficult situations. And, uh, you know, faith is so, so basic. It's like one of those things that if we just like sit down and think, what is faith? Well, it's seeing what we don't, we can't see. It's believing in what we can't see, you know, and faith is, should really just be the basis, basis of our life, right? And I think all Christians, oh, I have faith, I have this, but, you know, we can see God's hand in our life when we just go back to that simple place. Okay, God, you brought me here. Now do what you're going to do. And that's how I feel about faith, you know, and I had, it, it's a growing process. And I think, you know, we can grow our faith. And um, I think that some people have the gift of faith, right? And some of us have to have it beat into us by, you know, experience and trial. But, um, you know, I tell God in the dark days, and there have been some some pretty dark days as far as like depression and that kind of stuff on the field. And I'm sure many other missionaries go through times like that. And I remember, especially in the year uh, 2019, right before, well, we didn't know COVID was going to hit, but that year before, um, there was a lot of personal struggles um, in our family, in our marriage. And then also on top of that, um, that year, the government did not want to renew our visas. And there was just so many problems. And there was an immigration officer, the one in charge of our office in our town, just told my husband to his face, like, we don't like missionaries and I don't want you here. So I'm going to do whatever I can to not get you your work permit or renew our visas. And I remember just being so like frustrated, like, God, do you want us here? You know, and I was expecting Timothy and I thought, well, if they don't give us our visas, what am I going to do? Are we going to go over to Mexico and have Timothy? Are we going to go back to the States? You know, and we had already built our house by this time. And, you know, we, the, the church was doing well in that respect, as far as attendance and people getting saved. And so many times my husband and I would sit at the coffee table thinking, you know, and being discouraged, you know, why are all these adversities coming? There was sickness and we were having struggles with our children and, and with me and him in, in our marriage. And I thought, you know, Lord, all of these things at one time, are you trying to tell us to leave? Are you trying to tell us that police is no longer for us and we would be sitting there and we talk about these things my husband and I and I would you know sometimes we wouldn't agree and and you know just life stuff and um just mulling on towards the end of that year uh, probably around maybe September um I just thought you know what do I even have faith is that what's keeping me here because if I do then I just need to keep going and just accept what's going to happen is going to happen. Because if I don't, if I'm just going to worry, if I'm just going to lay awake at night and think, man, what's going to happen? Where am I going to have this baby? Are we going to have to leave? What's going to happen to our people? Who's going to pass from them? If I'm just going to worry about that, then I don't have faith. I just got tired of um, just all these things in my mind. So finally, I was like, Lord, I'm here. Here's my hand. My husband, we want to stay if you want us here. So you're just going to have to do it. And so I just left it with him. And I think that just the simplicity of knowing that if God wants something to happen, he's going to make it happen. And I've seen that him. And so, of course, later on that year, miraculously, that officer got switched to another office and we were able to get our visas about two weeks before our baby was born. And, you know, the Lord worked out those difficult situations that year. And he used some people as well to be an encouragement. Some people that visited that year that just, you know, just brought life into us. One of them was the group from Faith Baptist. And that you guys probably didn't even know when you were there, like the struggles we had, but it was a whole, it was a tough year. So 
Yeah, praise the Lord. God knows. He knows. I think us as ladies, um, I don't know if it's a lady thing or a men thing. I just know that my husband, like you were saying, has that gift of faith. It's easy for him and it's harder for me. I think because I like control. I like to do everything Absolutely. that I could do to make this work. And that is the opposite of faith. <laughs> I know it is. It's just, um, and I'm like that too. I like to, I like checklists and I like knowing what's going to happen, like surprises. And I certainly didn't like surprises when I was about to have my fourth kid, you know, so, and the Lord worked it out and, and, you know, Timothy was born in Belize and, um, but, you know, the Lord placed people there to kind of encourage us that, hey, you know, people do know that you're here and you, we, you know, maybe God does want us here, you know, so that, so anyway, so basically that's it. Then, you know, the Lord showed, grew my faith in that area of life, in that time in life. All right. Next question. Please describe a time while on the field, you had to completely surrender an area of, of your life to God's perfect will. All right. So, um, before I get into the the instance, I am going to say that it was my children. And um, first okay. of all, as you know, I went to the field with a three-month-old baby. So my, and then we had two girls, you know, three years later, a girl, and then three years later, another girl, and then three years later, a boy. So um, my kids have basically grown up on the field, which has many, many benefits. You know, they weren't taken from, you know, a school they loved as older kids or a church they, you know, had fallen in love with or grown up in. So there was those things. Um, and when they were babies um, and didn't know too much about life, you know, of course, it was just, okay, this is our home. You know, this is, we, we've basically grown up here. And um, as they got to be school age children, my oldest ones, my youngest one is Okay, so I have a 14-year-old, a 10-year-old, a 7-year-old, and a 3-year-old. So um, as they got to be, the girls got, the three oldest are girls, and as they got to be school age, and I started homeschooling and kind of entering into that next stage of life and leaving the baby in preschool age behind, um, I we would come to visit the States, um, now and then maybe on our furlough or to visit family now and then. And I started to notice that my kids were noticing the difference between the countries. So, uh, and of course the Lord has just blessed my family there. We have supporting churches that are just so kind to us when we come, we, you know, especially faith Baptist, we know that whenever we need something, when we're there, that, you know, pastor and the people here are just, they make our kids feel so loved and welcomed. And there's a lot of supporting churches like that. And so when we would visit, it was a whole nother world for my kids. You know, they would go to Sunday school and there was teachers that weren't their mother, you know, <laughs> and there was, um, right. you know, they would go to, um, more recently, my daughter youth activities where there was a lot of other like-minded teenagers her age and just um, who had parents that thought like her parents, you know, and um, so it became a little bit difficult for my older two when we would return to the field because they would kind of be on a high in the States, you know, everybody would treat, and I'm glad that they did. I'm not sorry for those times, but they would just be treated well and people would give them things and just love on them and, th and they would see and do things that they didn't get not that they didn't get to do but that just weren't part of their life on belief in belief and so when we would come back it began to I began to feel as a mother that I was keeping them from good opportunities for them maybe thinking and I remember I would think things like you know Lord 
of course I do want to be her. And I've always wanted to be in Belize. It was, you know, it's not as if I was looking for ways to not be there. But I would think to myself, you know, Lord, you know why I stayed in church, Lord, because I had good Sunday school teachers. I had good youth workers. And, um, you know, of course, that's not ultimately why I did. But it was something that generally helped me when I was a child. And I had people who invested in me. And, um, you know, I went to cool youth activities and there was youth conferences and, and these kind of things. And I began to feel like I wasn't going to be able to give my kids what they needed on the field. You know, they need, I felt like they needed those things, you know, they needed fellowship. They needed those friends from over there. And um, I wanted them to be able to, you know, and they can do this in Belize um, now, but, you know, take music lessons or learn how to play an instrument or play in an orchestra, you know, at church or um, be part of a sports program or, you know, or go to a Christian school where they had teachers and coaches and, and, you know, people investing in them on a regular basis. And uh, I remember, and, and I homeschool too. So then I would think, you know, they're with me all day, Lord. And then I'm their Sunday school teacher. And then I'm also, you know, the one that takes them out soul winning, you know. Um, you know, so Lord, how am I going, you know, I can't do this. My kids are not going to turn out over here because they don't have the things that I feel like they need. And uh, I remember one day in particular, just being really down about this. And I, and I was sitting on my couch in my living room and I was watching my kids play on the porch and I just started to cry. And I thought, Lord, I am not a good mother for them because I can't give them all these things. And, you know, looking back now, it sounds kind of ridiculous. Like, honestly, saying it right now, I'm like, OK, but at the time, it was just such a real like <laughs> a, so real, yeah. you know, and the Lord had to speak to my heart and the Lord had to get me to realize that it's not anything that I do or that I have that's going to speak to my kids, that's going to draw them to the Holy Spirit, that's going to make them, you know, turn out right, as they say, you know, it's the Holy Spirit. And God had to tell me, and he had to show me some things about myself and how, even if I was in the States with them, I'm still the same person. So like, you know, and I remember just praying and telling the Lord, look, I cannot be everything that my kids need to be. And it's like the Lord turned a light bulb in my head and said, well, am I not the, am I not God here too? And, and, you know, not, of course I believe that he was, but then it was like this thought, like, do you really think that God can speak to your children if they don't have all of those things? And I kind of thought about it. And then I start mm. to argue with the Lord. I argue with the Lord all the time. And I would tell the Lord, no, it's not that, you know, it's just, I really wish this. And the Lord would tell me, no. You don't need all of those things. I can draw your kids to me. And I want it. If, if I want your kids to serve me, I will. They will. You know, and I feel like I have these like little conversations with the Aww. Lord. And I just had to surrender them and say, you know what, Lord, just show me what I can do. And, you know, as soon as I got to the point where I could say honestly in my heart, because the Lord knows my heart, these kids are your kids, God. Then the Lord just started sending stuff that we need. I found somebody offered to give my daughter's uh, piano lessons through zoom. Like that was the Lord because I didn't even ask the lady. She just, and that's like the Lord knew I wanted that. And, um, you know, we started this feeding program in Belize where we feed school children a hot meal 
So one of my concerns for my girls was that they wouldn't be socializing with other kids because they were homeschooled all the time and I was their Sunday school teacher. And so now they get to eat lunch and socialize with the neighborhood kids on a regular basis and not just in church services or Bible clubs, but, you know, just having that interaction. And recently we had some young men come who helped us with Bible clubs and they happened to play the violin and somebody gifted my girls violin. So for two weeks, they got lessons every day. And the Lord was just telling me, you know what, I'm going to send who am I going to send? And then I was worried about, you know, opportunities like camp. And out of the blue, Pastor Goddard invites my daughter to go to teen camp. Like that was so the Lord because God, like he sees and he's the one that does it. And he gives us the desires of our hearts when we give it to him. I look back now and and I think, you know, how could I think that? Because God is the God of, God is everywhere. And, you know, And then if I think, well, my kids need to be in the States to do this. Well, what am I saying about the kids that I'm trying to reach here? Am I going to tell them that they can't serve the Lord because they don't, you know? And so the Lord really had to just point out these obvious things that I should know, but he had to like drill it into my head that, hey, it's me. It's not you. It's not other human beings. It's me that does the work in your children's lives. And it's me that's going to help them. And so that was an area that I struggled with for a while. And the Lord really just had to get me to surrender and say, hey, these kids are your kids, God, and you're going to do it. That's so encouraging. When we release control and give him control, he takes care of it all. <laughs> yeah. And he has just shown in so many ways and just yeah, been a blessing. Love it. Uh-huh. So love it. So what have you learned from the people you serve? Okay. So I've learned a lot from them because I've been there a while. It's just funny. I I grew up in one culture and my husband in another culture. And then we got married and moved to a completely different culture. So there was a few times when I was like, I don't know if I'm Mexican, if I'm American, if I'm Belizean, I don't know. <laughs> but the Lord is, he just, you know, he, he's, he works funny sometimes. He does funny stuff. So, um, <laughs> you know, there's a common saying uh, that all Christians have been Christians a while. We say, I'm so blessed. God is so good to me. Have you heard people say that before? Oh, yeah. Such a comment. Or you say somebody, hey, God bless you. You know, you're talking to somebody, you're texting somebody, um, thinking of you, God bless you. Uh, How's life? Oh, I'm blessed. You know, that's such a common thing. But I think sometimes in America or Christians in general, we associate material things as being blessed. Blessed. And I've learned from the people in Belize that Blessing is not necessarily things that you have materially. So if I'm here and, you know, in this, and then not even in the States, but other first world countries where you have nice houses, you have cars, you have all these things and your business is going good and life is going good. And you say, I'm blessed. And I I would think to myself, well, what, you know, what if we didn't have any of that? What if I was like, you know, and where I live, there are some of the most amazing Christians who literally have nothing. They literally eat rice every day. They live in wooden homes. I was visiting last week some kids um, that had started coming to our feeding program and we were trying to get them to come to the Bible clubs. And there's four of them, the sweetest kids you will ever meet. They live in a 10 by 10 house with their two parents. And they just love going to the Bible club and learning about the Lord. And you talk to their mom and she's smiley and she's just happy. And she does, and she can, and when she says I'm blessed, it just sounds a little different because I think she's blessed because she has the Lord and she, and not that 
not that material things mean that you don't have the Lord, but sometimes it's kind of a cover up. We say I'm blessed because of these things. Well, what if we didn't have those things? And when I see the ladies in Belize that just, just the strength of character they have, the hard times they go through, you know, I have a lady in my church who has seven kids. She's a single mother. She's trying to put them through school. Get this. She has five, uh, how do you, teen girls, you know, so imagine that being a single mother living in a little tiny house, trying to figure out what you're going to get for food. And every day, almost every morning, she sends me a little message. I'm blessed. The Lord has been good to me. And just learning from these people that you don't need material things to have God's blessing in your life. You don't need to have. And I, I've re, I feel like I've struggled with that more recently as far as the desire to, especially we're building a second story on my house. And I see myself all the time like, oh, I want to have this and this, and I'm going to decorate this and I'm going to do this. And those things are not bad. And I understand that when the Lord blesses, it's okay to receive blessings and rejoice in them. So I'm not saying that, but our, my mind sometimes can be, associate with feeling peace and happiness with having things. And uh, the people in Belize have really, really just taught me that, uh, you know, you can love the Lord and, and feel his blessing and his peace and, and feel the Holy Spirit, even if you don't have those things. And um, also just in Belize, they're very hospitable. Central American culture is just you know, I've had ladies come to my house at 10 a.m. and expect to spend the day with me till church that night unannounced, you know, where that would not fly in a culture, in a different culture. But over there, it's just something that people are. They're just so kind and um, so giving. And they might only have one pound of rice, but they're going to make it for you. And they're going to make sure you eat it. And, you know, just mm. um, just just being um, hospitable and kind to people. And the pace of life there is really laid back and slow and people aren't rushing about to try to accomplish a thousand things in one day, you know, um, it's a little bit slower. You can enjoy life a little bit more, but, um, yeah, those are some of the many things I've learned from them. Just learn to live simply and just rejoice yeah. in the simple things of life. I concur with everything you said. Um, in Africa, the people had nothing dirt floors. I mean, sweeping with the broom, but their broom was made of straw but they yeah. had a joy in their heart that was unlike anything that you see in America, because I feel like different places have different um, struggles and America's right. struggle is definitely materialism. We're not happy if we don't have X, Y, Z. We're there. It's, we are happy with what we have, although it's nothing. It's just a true joy in their heart. So it's, I agree. That's something that yeah, I learned it's from. Amazing to see that. And it's really just helped me learn you know, again, back to patience, to so be patient. It's like, I don't have to have everything right now. It's going to be okay. The Lord knows. And the, you know, the, the peace that passes all understanding from the Lord, it's because it really does. It comes not from anything that you can have or do or be, but from the Holy Spirit, that happiness, that peace. And, but anyway, so yeah, I've just enjoyed working with these people here. Yes. All right. So what advice could you offer for those considering missionary work or looking to make a difference in the world? to just rejoice at the opportunity. You know, I w usually when somebody asks me something like this, I would say, you know, um, be careful of this or maybe get, but I just want to encourage those who are going to leave to go on the field maybe, or you're thinking about Christian service that you have been chosen to do. If you feel that call and you know, God's leading you to just rejoice in that call because it's something that it's amazing. It's amazing that God would choose us to do anything for him. 
and to be, you know, to start a ministry or to go help a ministry or just to get involved where you are and to not let um, other older Christians who have done it all and seen it all discourage you because the ministry is, is fun. It can be fun. It can be fun on the mission field. It can be fun in Belize when, you know, the hard times come. Um, just walk by faith and not by sight. And that's what it is. Don't do what I used to do and overanalyze what's going to happen. Just rejoice in the day to day and ask God to lead you and make God's voice the loudest one that you listen to. And don't, don't have too many voices in your, in your daily life. Listen to God and just rejoice that he wants to use you. That's what I wanted to say about that. Love it. Love that answer. So good. Our podcast verse is Psalm 91.1. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. What verse has helped you abide in the secret place? Well, I have always loved Psalms chapter 27. And um, I I read it probably every week, um, at least once, because I just love the chapter. And the last two verses have really helped me on the mission field, have really helped me when um, I needed to be in that secret place with God. And I'll read them to you real quick. It's Psalms 27, 13. I had fainted unless I believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thy heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. So the secret place is where we go when we shut out the world and we want to talk to God and God knows everything about us. But what helps me stay close to him and to just kind of rest under his wings and in that secret place is to know that even though there have been times that I have wanted to faint or give up or just kind of maybe have a change in life uh, ministry is to, because we can believe, or I believe that the goodness of the Lord will be seen in belief. And even if that's in, in my husband and I starting the ministry and kind of God using us and being allowed to, start a church, I believe that God's goodness is in Belize just as much as it is in anywhere else. And um, that's what keeps me close to him is just, yes, I wanted to faint. Yes, I've had hard times Yes, as anybody, not even missionaries, but anybody. But um, again, going back to waiting on the Lord where it says, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen our heart. Wait, I say on the Lord. He had to repeat it again at the end because it's one of the most difficult things to do. But when we're close to him, when we're in that secret place and we we want to stay there, we can remember that, yeah, his goodness is in any land, in my land, in your land, whatever country, whatever culture you're in, his goodness is in that land and we can wait for him and wait patiently and allow him to to lead us. And he's, I've recently, I know I've, I've just, the Lord has been good, so good to me recently, we've been trying to just rest in that place and rest in that thought. Yeah. Lord, keep me close to you. Keep my heart with you. Let me talk to you and remind me that yes, your goodness is in any land. You are here. And that's where I want to be is with you. Yes. Like Hagar said, the God who sees, that's a, that's awesome. Love it. Okay. So other than the Bible, what resource has been the most helpful to you in your Christian walk? Okay, so this one, I was thinking of, you know, I've read Christian biographies, and, and those have really, really helped me. But I think what has really, really been something that's um, helped me is the resource of good counselors and good friends. And um, 
I don't know if you were looking for a specific book or not, but <laughs> no, not at all. This is what you're answering my question. So I thank the Lord for the advisors and the people, the counselors that he's put in my life that have, and the good Christian friends. I have one friend who is a missionary in Belize and she's on the other side of the country, about three hours away. But whenever we get together, her spirit is just something that encourages me so much. And of course, we have that bond of like serving on the same field and raising kids on the field because she has young kids too. She actually just had her sixth baby and the oldest one is six. So wow. <laughs> yeah. So she's amazing. And those type of friendships where you and where you don't have to see them every single day. But when you do talk to them, you know, Jen, you're one of them. When you send me that thing to pray for me, it's like, those are things that keep you going. Right. And when I talk to friends and of course, you know, Pastor Goddard is one of our advisors. And I have this a lady that I, you know, I was telling you about earlier who helped me you know, know when to go vi- or decide when to visit my mom, I'll send her a message or so randomly message me and call me up and say, Hey, how's it going? You know, what do you need? So the resource of just good friends who love God and they're not clingy. They're not, Hey, why don't you call me? Why don't you do this? You know, why don't you answer my side? They're just there and they understand. And you can be real with them. You can be honest with them and you can say, Hey, I'm struggling. You know, can I talk to you? And they're there. And uh, I think that's just such an important thing to have in life. And it's something that's tremendously tremendously helped me and sometimes as a missionary uh it's hard to reach out to people you kind of feel like okay should I really tell them what I'm showing with so they have good friends um it's just such an excellent resource God gives us those and I'm just thankful for certain pastors and certain friends I have that are a constant source of encouragement from afar yes I completely agree a friend is a gift that's for sure and I'm, I'm grateful. I'm grateful that you're my friend, Tanya. You sharpen me. Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> All right. So thank you so much for taking your time, preparing for to answer these questions. Uh, I really appreciate it. It has been fun. Thank you for asking. I feel so privileged that you'd even consider me. And I just am thankful and thankful for this podcast. I look forward to listening to the other testimonies or whoever you have come on and Thanks for your hard work on that end and organizing it and and getting it all put together. That's a blessing. We need stuff like this. This will be an encouragement. (laughs) Yay, I'm so glad. Well, God's good. Thank you for your time. You have the best day. You too. Thank you so much. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. I was lost without a hope of being found. To sin I was servant I was bound life was going nowhere no matter what I tried I searched for peace but nothing satisfied then someone cared enough to bring the truth to me someone cared and now my soul searching for salvation full and free oh won't somebody
he tell them of the Christ of Calvary? The debt is paid already, but the message must be shared. Does anybody Thank you so much for listening to the Help Me Abide podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's episode as much as we did. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to reach out to us on social media or through our podcast website, www.helpmeabide.com. Don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. The Help Me Abide podcast is a ministry of the Faith Baptist Church of Wildemar, California, pastored by Pastor Bruce Goddard. That being said, it's important to remember that this podcast is not a substitute for regular church attendance. We encourage all of our listeners to be faithful members of a local, independent, Bible-believing Baptist church. My heartfelt gratitude goes out to Mrs. Tammy Goddard, who facilitates the podcast, Lisa Grubb, who expertly directs our social media outreach, Connie Marujo, who tirelessly promotes our resources, and Lindsay Osgood, who provides the perfect musical accompaniment to the interviews. Without our amazing team, this podcast would not be possible. Also, big thanks to Faith Music Missions and Hiles Anderson College for allowing us to use their beautiful music on our podcast. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back soon with more inspiring content.